Well, kind of in thinking about that, I, I found this particular email to tech support, and I thought I'd share this with you. It says, Dear Tech Support, Last year, I upgraded from boyfriend 5.0 to husband 1.0, and I noticed a distinct slowdown in the overall system performance, particularly in flower and jewelry applications, which operated flawlessly under boyfriend 5.0. In addition, husband 1.0 uninstalled many other valuable programs, such as Romance 9.5 and Personal Attention 6.5, and then it installed undesirable programs like NFL 5.0, NBA 3.0, and Golf Clubs 4.1. Conversation 8.0 no longer runs. And House Cleaning 2.6 just crashes the system. I've tried running Nagging 5.3 to fix these problems, but it's to no avail. What can I do? Sign desperate. So tech support writes back. First, keep in mind, Boyfriend 5.0 is actually an entertainment package, <laughs> while Husband 1.0 is an operating system. Please enter the command, I thought you loved me dot execute, and then download tier 6.2, and don't forget to install guilt 3.0 as an update. If that application works as designed, Husband 1.0 should then automatically run Applications Jewelry 2.0 and Flowers 3.5. But remember, overuse of the above application will cause Husband 1.0 to default to Grumpy Silence 2.5, Happy Hour 7.0, and Beer 6.1. Beer 6.1 is a very bad program that will download a horrible program called Snoring Loudly Beta. Whatever you do, do not install, do not install Mother-in-Law 1.0. It runs as a virus in the background and will eventually seize control of your whole system resources. Also, do not reinstall Boyfriend 5.0. These are unsupported applications and will cause Husband 1.0 to crash. In summary... Husband 1.0 is a great program, but it does have limited memory <laughs> and cannot learn applications quickly. You might consider buying additional software to improve memory and performance. We recommend Food 3.0 and Hot Lingerie 7.7. .7. I love that. Uh, you know, it's obvious there are differences between everybody, between men and women, and between just people in general. Pam and I have some differences, and it comes to how we're each directionally challenged. We're, we're directionally challenged in different ways. Uh, for instance, if I bring Pam to a mall, uh, she can't find her way. And it doesn't matter how many times we've been in that mall, she doesn't know where any of the stores are, and it takes her forever to find her way out. <laughs> At least that's what she tells me is her reason. Uh, <laughs> And then here's the thing. I am not kidding. It doesn't matter what happens. We'll go into a mall and come out. She can't find the car. She cannot find the car. It's just every time. But now here's the thing. I can get into a mall and know where everything is. I can get us out really quickly. And, uh, and, and I always know where the car is. But then when we get on the road to drive, I can't find my way anywhere. And Pam knows, every, we, it's places we've never been. She somehow knows how to get there. She knows what direction we're going, what place to turn. 
I, I honestly, I struggle with that. I mean, I don't know how many times I've driven by my own off-ramp to my own house, and, uh, and I just am directionally challenged that way, and she's not. She just finds it all. Well, you know what we're talking about today and in the coming weeks is having spiritual direction and spiritual connection. And I think that, that some of us, if we got honest, there's times that we're spiritually, directionally challenged. We're not sure what God's will is. We're not sure what he's doing. And we're not sure how to operate. And God wants us to be able to operate in a way where we see what's going on around us. And my desire is to kind of have, download some things into our memory today that will be very meaningful and helpful in our interaction with God. In Luke chapter 24... We're going to read about the road to Emmaus. And what happens is Jesus has been beaten and scourged and crucified and entombed. And uh, two of the people who had followed him and loved him with all their heart, their lives are just crashing down around them. Their hearts are broken. And they're walking in a direction at the time of the day where they would have been walking into the sun. I think that might be worth noting. So the sun is in their eyes, they're walking along, they're despondent, they're in despair, they're grieving together. And notice what happens in Luke 24, verse 13. And behold, two men, two of them were going together that very day to a village named Emmaus, which is about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all the things which had taken place. And while they were talking and discussing, Jesus approached and began traveling with them. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. And he said to them, What are these words that you are exchanging with one another as you are walking? And they stood still and they looked sad. And one of them named Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of these things which have happened here in these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, the things about Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word, in the sight of God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and crucified him. Now notice verse 21, don't miss this. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this is the third day since these things happened. Now, I want you to grab hold of something. They are just in despair. They are just not able to function. And they feel like everything they hoped for and they wanted to occur has just not worked. And they're standing there asking questions in their mind like, where was God when this happened? And why did we set such great hope on the redemption of Israel and it didn't take place? Now, here's what I want you to grab hold of. Standing in their very presence is the Lord. And they can't see it. They're spiritually, directionally challenged. They're blinded from what's going on. The very thing they wanted desperately was the presence of God, and he's standing right there with them, and they can't see it. And then their greatest hope of all was that he would bring the redemption of Israel, and they can't see that it happened. It not only happened, it happened in a way bigger and better than they hoped for. And they're not able to spot it, they're not able to see it, and they can't figure out what's going on. And they're just saying, Lord, you know, what's going on, what's happening? And as Jesus stands and says, do you not understand what's going on? They just can't seem to, to grasp the moment. Now, I want to share with you that that's what happens to us very often. God does care about you. God wants to have a direction in your life. God wants you to experience amazing things. And we're going to talk about how intimate God is with us, each one of us individually, today and in the coming weeks. But, but I want to have you grab hold of this today. Don't miss this, that God is very, very good at working with you. 
He's very, very good at being around you. He never leaves you or forsakes you. The question is, can we spot his presence? Can we connect with him in deep ways because he wants that? And can we trust him when things don't make sense? God is just good at working with you. I've been reading a book called, and I love the title of this, In a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day. It's taken from a passage of scripture out of 2 Samuel 24. In a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day by Mark Batterson. And here's what he says. I want you to grab this. It goes, right at the outset, let me share one of my core convictions. God is in the business of strategically positioning us in the right place and at the right time. A sense of destiny is our birthright as followers of Christ. God, God is awfully good at getting us where he wants us to go. But here's the catch. The right place often seems like the wrong place. And the right time often seems like the wrong time. Now think about that. Because we need to understand that God's ways are bigger and higher than ours. God's ways are better than ours. And sometimes we're like, where are you? And God's like, I'm right here. Sometimes we say, God, how could this be happening? And God's going, this is exactly what I wanted to happen. And you're going, God, I just don't understand. I don't get it. Uh, Not very long ago, Steve and his son Dan were climbing Mount Whitney. This is an actual event that occurred. Uh, Dean and Kathy, uh, um, uh, uh, Dean, who is the chairman of our elders, and Kathy Satterfield know this, this, this family very well. But, but, but Steve is an outdoorsman. He took his son, Dan, and, and they went out and they were climbing Mount Wendy. And on the way back, he slipped and fell and went into a ravine. It took 24 hours to rescue him. Now, you might be asking, okay, where was God in this? How, you know, here's a guy, you know, he loves God and he's fallen and he's hurt. And, and, and is there any good that can come of this? 24 hours of agony, horrible injuries in reality. And uh, when they finally rescued him, you know, he just had to give it to God and trust that somehow God had a plan and that he would interweave around this. Well, on September 12th, he's getting ready to come home from work and, and he rides the Metro. And uh, normally he gets in the very front car. That's his habit. But because of his injuries, he now has to ride in the third car where there's more of a handicap section and more room to spread out. And on September the 12th, he goes to the third car, which is not his normal, all because of this accident, gets inside. And when the train, the metro goes into Chatsworth, it collides with that engine that you saw in the news. Had he been in his normal seat, almost for sure he would have died. But because he was sitting where he was and God interweaved what he did, amazing grace came from that moment and he began to go, whoa, God had a plan and is using it. Now, right away, you should ask this question, what about the other people in the front car? And we're going to get into that more later. And if you were with us on September 12th, we already started our 9-11 service. We started delving into that. But we're going to talk about how God works all this. But the bottom line is sometimes we don't see what God is doing. And God wants us to trust in him. Notice that line where he says there, In verse 21, but we were hoping, we were hoping he was going to redeem Israel. And you know what? Jesus is standing there. He had just done it. And they couldn't see it. God's plan was working. His interweaving of his will, his his access to that moment. And and their eyes are closed. And very often I want to say, we need to say, God, you know, right now, maybe I'm not seeing correctly, but I need to trust you because you are going to do great things. Jeremiah 29, 11 is the theme verse for the next three months. And it says this, it says, for I know the plans that you have for me, declares, or that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans of welfare and not calamity to give you a future and a hope. Now, I want to remind you again, although I went into it last week, that the word plans is a Hebrew word that literally means I know what you interweave into my life. 
It's the very word for a texture machine. It's the, the interweaving God does. It's like you do have all these yarns or materials and God says, get ready and I'm going to interweave these together. And when I'm done, you're going to go, wow. But in the moment, you might not see what it is. You might not get it. God says, but I want you to know I do this. Now, again, I need to, and I'll probably say this every single week, but let me tell you, we're going to really develop this in about three weeks and I'll show you strong theological teachings on this issue, but let me give it to you ahead of time. Not everything that happens is God's will. Now, we need to understand that because God says, I have a plan for you. I have things I want to interweave into your life, but not everything that's in your life is what I want there. You and I know that. Uh, a very easy example is, you know, does, does God clearly tell us in his word that it's his will that I don't overeat? The sin of gluttony. And, and the answer is yes. And you know what? God says that, you know, my body's to be the temple of the Holy Spirit and I'm not supposed to make it a cathedral. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, but the reality is, is, you know what? When I violate that, then what I'm doing in that moment isn't God's will for me. Uh, when a drunk driver gets in a car, it was not God's will for that person to become drunk. And when that driver drives down the road and, and, and havoc is wreck, wreaked, God says, that wasn't what I planned. But I will plan other things around what's going on. If you've ever been abused, I want you to know that God hated that. It wasn't his plan. But he has a plan to take that and somehow cause his grace and his love and his comfort and his mercy to change things. We know that not everything that happens is God's will. But God says this in Romans 8, 28, we're told by Paul, and we know that God causes all things, all things to work together for good. Now, ready for this, only for a certain type of person, for those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. Now, now don't miss that. It's those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. That's who. God says, I, I'm willing to, to take and, and pour my plans into your life and interweave my presence and my will and my ways around things, and, and amazing things happen. But let's go back in our minds just right now to Jeremiah 29, and remember it says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. I know what I want to interweave into your life, and, and, and I have plans for good things and not evil to give you a future and a hope, plans for welfare and not calamity to make sure you look out on the new day and say, wow, amazing things, God, are not only happening but are coming. And I can have expectation of that. Well, let me tell you four truths that fly out of this that are foundational to all the things we'll talk about again for the next three months. And number one, you know what that verse tells you? It tells you he cares about you as an individual. It says that God uniquely and very intimately cares about you. I know the plans I have for you. God says, I think about you. I care about you. I plan things for you. Uh, I love 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. It says this, but as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor has it ever entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through the Holy Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, yes, even the deep things of God. Now, I just read from the New King James because I like the way it put the wording there. But, but grab what it says. Eye has not seen nor ear heard nor has it ever entered into your imagination, your heart, the depths of your soul. What is that? All the things that God has prepared for you. Now, now I, I just want you to lock this in. God cares about you. He loves you. And he's even preparing things for you. He, he looks ahead and says, oh, I can't wait to give you this and that. And how do you discover the things that God has? It says it right there. The Holy Spirit reveals it. 
You know, when we're spiritually in tune and we're in the moment and we're, and we're standing on our road to Emmaus, the Holy Spirit opens our eyes and says, look what, who's next to you. It's the Lord. Look what he just did. He redeemed Israel. And you're walking along in your life and the Holy Spirit says, get ready. You know what you were hoping for? You know that thing you wanted to have happen? God has spent an amazing amount of time and energy preparing things for you. I, I don't know uh, if you're like me, but man, I love to give gifts. I really do. And, and I got to tell you this, that we've been, I've been putting a lot of thought in what I want to give my son, Tim. And uh, I, I just purchased something that is going to blow his mind. And I'm not going to tell you what it is because the word will get out. It's a present. He hasn't got it yet. Matter of fact, this is so good. I can't over uh, excite him on this. In other words, I'm not going to over promise and under deliver. I, I can make it as big a deal I want. When he puts this in his hands uh, and he holds it, I already know he's going to get so excited. And part of the reason I'm telling you today is because he's not going to get it for three months and I want him to be so anxious for it. <laughs> but I have prepared it. I am excited. Pam, I got her and I said, hey, look at this. And Pam goes, that's perfect. You know what? I, I am, I'm going to enjoy every moment of the torture while he waits. But I'm going to really enjoy the moment I put it in his hands and he's going to say, wow, I love this. And he'll say something else. Dad, you know me. See, I know beyond a shadow of doubt it's going to love this. And I know it's going to really be something that will excite him. Do you realize God does that for you? God does that for you. He looks at you and he says, I want to give you this and I want to give you this and I want to bless you in this way and I, and I want you to experience this. God loves you and he cares about you. Now, now, what we need to grab hold of is why. Well, my friend Mike Bro has a saying that he just repeats over and over and if Mike were here, I'm almost positive he'd use it. So let me give it to you. I matter to God and that's all that matters to me. Now, the reason you need to grab that, remember, is there's times you have an Emmaus moment where you're standing there and you're saying, wait, my heart's breaking. And God says, I love you, and I can't quite give this to you yet, but when I do, I'll take even that moment and change it. There's times you're saying, God, I feel almost depressed. And God says, well, don't give up. And start saying those words, I matter to God. I know I matter to God, and that's all that matters to me. Somehow he'll use this. Somehow he'll, he'll wrap his will around it. Somehow he's causing this to give me a better future and a better hope than I could ever imagine. As a matter of fact, and Mark Batterson says this, he goes, for many people, they go, man, how come I got such a bad break? But when you know God, every bad break turns into a big break. Now, I want you to think about that because you're going to find that to be true if you let yourself connect with God in deep ways and follow what his word says. He cares about us. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 14 says this, For this reason, I bow my knee before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through the Holy Spirit and the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And you being rooted and grounded in love. Now, what's he saying I want to have happen? Christ dwelling in your heart through faith. The Holy Spirit empowering and opening your eyes to things. Get ready for this. So that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth. And to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, to him who is able to do far more abundantly, beyond all we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. To him be the glory in the church of Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Now, this is for every generation. This is for every person. This is for everybody, whoever is connecting with God. And Paul said, if I had one prayer, I want God to answer more than any other. It's you would genuinely know this God who loves you. You would know how amazing and overwhelming his love is, how high, how deep, how wide. 
And you would just be amazed at the volume of his care about you. God loves you. And when you lock that in and know he cares about you and he thinks about you, this is an amazing thing. That's why he makes these plans. Number two, he is intimately involved and active in our lives. God's not just sitting out there saying, hey, you know what? One day I'll bring you to heaven or, or I've created you. Now you're just in it on your own. No, it says, I know the plans I have for you. I know what I am actively, intimately involved in in your life. In Proverbs chapter 3, it says that God wants to share deep secrets with you. Jeremiah 33 verse 3 says, Call to me, and I will answer you, and I will tell you great and mighty things you do not know. God says, that's what I want to do very intimately with you, and I want to be active in your life, and I want you to be in an active, passionate, intimate relationship with me. What we need to understand, though, is God very often is weaving one strand at a time, and, and at the moment, we may not see the big picture of what's going on. Uh, uh, in Forest Lawn in West Covina, I don't know if you've ever been there, beautiful artwork all over. But, but that particular Forest Lawn's claim to fame is a, a mosaic that has millions of tiles as a part of it, not just hundreds and thousands. There's literally, like, I think it's a million tiles. And when you go and you see it and you stand there and it's the life of Christ, you're like, this is incredible. But you know what, if you were to just go up and, get, and focus in on one little tile, you wouldn't see the big picture. If you step back and only saw this much, you'd say, oh, that's kind of cool. But when you step back and you realize how that one little tile fits into the overall mosaic that they put together with the life of Christ so amazingly and beautifully pictured, you go, whoa. And now think about this. That actually is so accurate because there were the one moment in Jesus' life where this happened and another moment that this happened and a little piece of what occurred here and there. And all of a sudden it gives birth to an amazing, amazing life that was lived. The same with yours. You know, God says, look, I'm about to set this tile into place. I'm about to weave this strand of my love. I'm about to do this in your life. And when you realize God is actively involved, even today there are things that I'm going to say, I really believe God wants you to hear, and he wants it to lock in, and because he's about to do something with it. And God is very actively involved in our life, and he cares about you, and he has a will for your life. Psalm 32 verse 8 says this, I will instruct you. Let me just stop there and have, let that sink in. God's promising you something. I will instruct you. And I will teach you in the way you should go. Again, lock that. You understand God is saying, I will instruct you personally, and I will teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. But do not, do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, whose trappings include bit and bridle to hold them in check. Otherwise, they will not come near you. He says, I want to guide you with my eye. I want to be able to look here and have you watch and all of a sudden you jump over too. Peter McGowan and Jennifer, Peter is one of our elders and Peter and Jennifer have an awesome relationship and family. They're very caring people. And Peter was telling me about a time there was an autistic child and he wanted to connect with them. But you know, if you know autism at, at different levels, there's different levels of, of uh, uh, of issues that they, they struggle with. But this one boy, he just had a hard time ever tuning into anybody. And Peter, wanting to connect with him, wanting to do some kind of interaction, realized that the boy loved candy. And so what he did is he picked up a piece of candy and he noticed the boy's eyes followed it. And what he did is slowly moved it until he put the candy in front of his face and the boys focused on the candy. And then Peter took it down real quick and the kid and him start looking at each other and interacting. You know, I think sometimes God's going, you know what? I, I want to get you on my eye. I want to focus. I've got to get your attention. Sometimes God uses candy. By the way, sometimes God uses trials, right? You're going, wait a minute. I thought it only gives good things. Well, trials end up being good. 
And almost all of us in here have shared this in common. Don't you pray better in trials? No, we do, don't we? And God's like, okay, now I've got your, my, your attention. Now go over here. And you're like, okay. And he wants to guide you. When my father was stationed in Okinawa, our family was there too. And a girl that I got very, um, I won't go into that. But anyway, uh, her father was the head of the military police on our particular area. And, and he had, had come through with a particular guard dog. This guy was amazing with animals. Now he had risen up and now was a commander, but he had kept his dog. And I remember the first time I saw the dog, what happened is I'm walking in the house and I hear this growling and I turn around and this huge shepherd's looking at me, baring its teeth. And I'm like, and she goes, oh, don't worry. It won't move till my dad says it's okay. Which by the way, for a boyfriend, that's still not good news. Uh, But but now here's the thing. He has done this before. He'd he'd say sit and walk away and forget he told the dog that it was allowed to get up and it would sit for hours. It wouldn't move. I mean, I could walk by that dog as much as he wanted to bite me. He wouldn't because the the father had commanded it to stay. But when we went out in the backyard, this was so cool. He would get the dog's attention, and he would literally stand there, and he would turn his head, and the dog would run to where his head turned. He would look over here, and the dog would run there. And the dog could be guided literally with his eye. When I read the passage for the first time, I thought about that. This dog would find this treat. This dog would find this moment, this joy, this treasure, because his master was guiding him with the eye. He didn't have to grab him and jerk him around. And God says, don't be like, and you ready for this word, a mule. How many of us deep down are? And God's going, okay, come on. And you're like, no, no. And, you're, and God's going, you don't understand what's over here. You don't understand what this is going to mean. You don't understand how much I love you. Jeremiah 10, 23 says this. He says, I know, O Lord, that a man's way is not in himself, nor is it in man who walks to direct his own steps. God is very intimately and actively involved in our lives when we cooperate and let him, and even sometimes when we don't. But when we cooperate, God does amazing things. And Jeremiah 29 says, I know the plans I have for you, so you've got to let him direct you in the plans. Third thing, are you ready? He is only weaving in good things. He is only weaving in good things. James 1 verse 17 says this, every good thing and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. God is only putting good things in your life. Now, now you need to understand what that means. In the moment, he may say no to you because it's a good thing. Jesus said, what father among you? If you asked for a fish, he would give you a snake. In other words, if you were a young child and you looked at a snake and going, fish, fish, I want it, and the father knows it's a snake, he's not going to give it to him. He said, what, when, when you're asking for bread, we'll give you a stone. Stones back then looked a lot like the bread. And if you're a child going, I want that piece of bread, and the father's, no, that's not bread. You're going to have to wait till I get you real bread. See, sometimes God says no. Sometimes God says wait. Sometimes God says, I'm going to give you what you need in the moment. Uh, I'll talk about this more later, but you know what? It's, it's a good thing that a physical therapist works on you when you need it, right? Have you ever been in physical therapy? You know what? It hurts. They take that arm and they move it in a way and you're like, whoa, it hurts, it hurts. He goes, good, it has to. And, but in the end, it's going to be something better. God sometimes does physical therapy on you or spiritual therapy on you, but he only does it for your good. He only does it for your good. He only, by the way, gives you the best. Uh, God's only going to give you Nordstrom's blessings, not Kmart blessings. You know, I mean, you're like, oh, and God goes, no, 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 I'm taking it to a new level you can't understand. And we need to grab a hold of that. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts on your thoughts. I was just reading, it takes eight minutes, eight minutes for the light of the sun to hit the earth. 
traveling 186,000 miles a second. When that light leaves the sun, it still takes eight minutes to get to us. Uh, whether they're accurate or not, the claim right now is that, that the furthest area of the universe we know is 12.9 million, billion miles away, light years away. 12.9 billion light years away. Now, now think how big that is. Eight minutes just from the sun to the earth. Now we're talking 12.9 billion light years to the end of the galaxy. And God says, that's how much higher my thoughts are than yours. I'm not just thinking a million times higher than you or a billion times higher than you. I'm 13 billion times. And obviously the whole idea is in an actual number. God says, that's how I see things. I have a better view. I have bigger thoughts. I have more exciting ways. I can't wait to pour this into your life. And that's God's great desire. So we need to know he cares about us. We need to know he's intimately involved and active in our lives. We need to know he's only weaving in the good things. And you ready for this? We need to know that he wants you to always have a future and a hope. He never wants you without hope, and he never wants you to believe the future is not going to be good. On the road to Emmaus, they said, we hoped, but we were wrong. And Jesus is like, no, you were right. Keep hoping. This hope realized it's going to be incredible. Some of you are going, well, I hoped I'd get this job. And the Lord says, keep hoping. Don't give up. I hoped, you know, I'd have this relationship. And the Lord says, keep hoping. Don't give up. I hoped I would wake up in the morning with more joy than I can. And God says, keep hoping, don't give up. Because he says, I want to be intimately and actively involved to make things better than you can imagine. And that's what we're talking about in these coming weeks. How do I know God's will? How do I see him turn tragedy or, or dark moments in my life into great things? How do I experience this amazing hope? How do I understand the difference between his immutable sovereign will and the free choice I have? How do I grab hold of this? How do I access it? And God says, I want you to. But here's the key. It's about a very intimate, close relationship. I, I don't know if this story's true. It's supposed to be that uh, a, a mom was teaching her five-year-old the piano and she wanted him just to grab hold of how amazing the piano is. And, and one of the most amazing pianists and, and that existed in the world in that day was putting on a concert in a town near theirs. She uh, uh, saved up and bought tickets to get as close as she possibly could. Her dream is that her five-year-old son looked and saw the playing and he'd get caught up in it and, 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 and she just wanted to grab his imagination. Well, what happened is they, they get there and the place is packed and everyone can't wait to see this amazing virtuoso prodigy sit before them and, and everyone's buzzing and a lady turns and says, oh, you brought your son? And she goes, oh, yes, I did. And then she doesn't realize that as she's turning to talk, she had gotten an aisle seat so he could see in case someone was in front. He hops up because he sees the piano and he starts walking down. And, she's, oh, and she sees him as he's going up the stairs. And, and now other people are spotting him, and her five-year-old runs over, hops up on the piano bench, and starts playing Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. Uh, and, and people are, like, looking, and obviously the piano's been specially tuned, and, 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 and people are murmuring, and the lady's getting up to run for her son, and she sees people looking like, whose kid is it? And she's like, mine. And, and, but the man who was going to perform that night heard it, too, and he had just happened to be standing, and he saw the little boy go, and he saw the boy hit the, the bench, and, and there was no anger. He thought, how cute. And he walked out, and before the mother could get there, he walked over, and he sat down next to the little boy, and the little boy looked up, and he whispered, keep playing. And so the boy is just pounding away with five-year-old fingers, and this man jumps in and adds to what the boy's playing, twinkle, twinkle, little star, in such a way that people are, oh, they're gasping. And the boy and him are playing, and the boy or him are playing, and, and the, the pianist is kind of letting him know. He's kind of helping the boy stay in motion. And as he does, he starts doing this, and the boy picks up that they're coming to the ending, and when he hits his little ending of twinkle, twinkle, little star, 
the pianist goes into something else and boom, he hits his ending. And it's the first number and people jump to their feet with a thunderous ovation and they can't quit clapping from something so simple. That's a picture of God. You and I, we go to do this and God goes, let me come with you. I'm not taking away your part. I want to add to it. I want to interweave. And when you do that, get ready. That's what life's supposed to be like where eye has not seen nor ear heard nor has it ever entered into your imagination what life is like with him. And if, if that's the life he has for you, not always easy, but always amazing. And I hope today you can say, man, that's the life I'm living. If not, my prayer is this. In three months, you're going to say it is. Not because of me, but because of the truth of this word. But the most important thing you've got to ask is this. Who is this that God does, does this for? It says that God causes all things to work together for good to someone who is in love with him and lives their life according to his purpose. So today, let me ask this question. Are you in love with God? Because he is in love with you. He loves you. Are you ready to love him back? The second thing, are you ready to live your life according to his purpose? And, and the way we, we put ourselves in that position is, is by acknowledging to him, saying words to him, praying to him and saying, I want this. And today, if you're not in an intimate relationship with God, let me tell you, he wants it. And how do you enter it? Well, what you do is you pray. And in a moment, I'm going to lead a prayer. I'll say a line and stop and let you think about it. And if you want to connect with God, if you want to live your life with him, if you want this kind of a life for you, then I'm going to ask you right where you're sitting to whisper that prayer with me. Today, if you would say, well, you know what? I used to be close to God, but today I'm not. I used to know what it's like to have God moving and, and, and stirring in my life. Well, then you know what? I'm going to ask you also to pray that prayer again, to recommit to him. So my hope right now is that the Holy Spirit is going to stir and touch some of you, and today is going to be your day. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I genuinely thank you for the life you've given me and the life you give to each of us. And Lord, I, I thank you that I've, I, I just am so excited. I've said yes. But I pray for anybody here today who still needs to. They need to know your love. They need to know, Lord, the plan you have for them and the way you interweave and interact with them. God, I pray that they would understand this is to be a real, authentic, intimate life. Not when they kind of hope is out there, but when they're experiencing. So just like on the road to Emmaus, Lord, where there was people standing there not realizing who you were, I pray right now there would be some men, some women, some guys and some girls who right this moment would realize you love them. And that this life is for them and they need to claim it right now. They need to tell you they want it. They need to accept it. So I pray your Holy Spirit would move. I pray you'd touch and stir. And God, I pray, I pray that people today, this would be their moment to let you love them and to live with you. I want to ask that we keep praying. And if you're right with God, would you pray for those around you? But I'm going to lead that prayer and I'm going to ask you, if you want this intimate relationship with God or you want it back, would you pray it with me? But I want to ask this. If you're going to pray this prayer with me, would you let me know you're going to do it by lifting your hand in the air and looking at me and then you can put it down. Well, praise God. That is awesome. Praise the Lord. And praise God for you. Right here for you too. Praise the Lord. Wow, praise the Lord. Right over here. Praise God for you. Wow. That is so awesome. And way over here, praise the Lord for you and for you. And right here for you too. Praise God. 
and right here in the center and right here too. Praise the Lord for both of you. Reason I'm asking you, raise your hands. It helps me to know who God's touching. So I'll, a second more. Anybody I haven't seen yet? Wow, praise the Lord. Wow. I just want to take a second more. Anybody else I haven't spotted yet? If this is your time, way up there, praise God for you. Wow. Praise the Lord. Okay, all over the building, there are people. Oh, right here. Praise God. There are people who are being touched. And I want to ask you, just let's whisper this prayer together. Just say these words. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross to forgive me of my sins, to heal me of my hurts, to make me new, to make me alive, to make me yours. So I say yes. I want this. And I open my heart to you. Please fill me with your love and fill me with your spirit and help me be who you created me to be, to live the life that you have planned for me to live. And this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.